Hello, my little sweet potatoes. I'm your host, Maria, a master's student who loves running and, at times, gets a little too creative. This is our space to talk mindset, give advice, educate, but also have a little bit of fun. Thanks for joining our little family. Hello, my little sweet potatoes, and welcome back to another episode. This week is definitely a heavier topic, but there was no way that I could let September go by without having this discussion. Um, I'm going to put a disclaimer in right now. Um, I am discussing suicide in this episode. So if this is a topic that may be triggering for you, please, my little sweet potato, as always, put your mental health first and do not listen. Uh, September is actually Suicide Prevention Month. Uh, so in this episode, I want to talk about how we can educate ourselves on suicide, address some of the stigmas, and ultimately how to help our loved ones who might be struggling with suicidal thoughts. Uh, I am not a professional or expert in this topic. However, I have taken a Safe Talk certification course, and since not everyone will get this opportunity, I thought that I could share some knowledge and do some research in this subject area for you. Uh, I will have various articles and resources linked in the show notes as per usual, and I'll also be posting resources on the Sweet Potato Podcast Instagram account. Uh, I also quickly want to offer my condolences to anyone who has lost a loved one to suicide. Uh, If you know someone who has made a non-fatal suicide attempt, uh, my heart goes out to you as well. Finally, if you have or are contemplating suicide, please know that you are not alone. Um, I know you've heard that probably so many times, but there is someone out there who is willing to put in the effort to help you. Please consider talking to someone or check the resources linked in the show notes. You matter, my little sweet potato, and the world needs you here. A major reason as to why I wanted to ensure we have this discussion and conversation is because when suicide becomes a topic of conversation, I sometimes will get asked, I just don't understand how someone can think that way. You took psychology. Can you explain it? Let me stress again that I am not a professional. And typically in my response, will, you know, more likely than not will look something like this. You can never understand what someone's frame of mind is like in that situation unless you know from experience. It's not something that can be explained and that you will just get or just understand. To be in a state where you feel hopeless or like you have no solution isn't selfish, it's not reckless, and it's not cowardly. It's a mental health issue. As we get into this podcast episode, I also wanted to highlight a study by Nathan and Nathan uh, conducted in 2020. So out of 152 participants, 86% believed that suicide is preventable. About a third of the participants had lost someone close to them to suicide. Um, Those who responded uh, that were close to someone who died by suicide believed that the media glorified the suicide. So this was about 56.25% of the participants. And those who did not lose someone did not believe that the media glorified it. So this was about 66.99%. Women, which consisted of 61% of the participants, found that social media... Uh, was a good platform for 
people to ask for help while men did not. And this accounted for about 60.61% of the participants. So I bring up this study right now because technically a podcast and an Instagram is a form of media. And the last thing I want to do is glorify in anything in any way. We saw a lot of, um, of this when uh, 13 Reasons Why came out on uh, Netflix, right? So it's kind of a hard topic to talk about and you don't know when you're overstepping or when you're not providing the right kind of information. So today I'm going to do my best to use this platform as a means of education towards suicide and hopefully in doing so we can continue to work towards preventing it. All right. So naturally, before we have this conversation, we need to actually define what suicide is. So the CAMH defines suicide as the act of intentionally causing one's own death, often related to complex stressors and health issues leading individuals to experience hopelessness or despair. Before I go into more information about this, I wanted to mention something that I think is often overlooked when having this conversation, and that's the statement of committing suicide itself. Um, like I said before, I took a Safe Talk certification course, and it's this kind of um, idea has also come up in my education in some of my courses. So saying someone has committed suicide can be considered triggering, damaging, and often contributes to stigmas surrounding it. So in order to open up the conversations about it, we need to approach the discussion with love, empathy, and care. Uh, Jackie DeBick addresses this really well and says that the term committed suicide is damaging because for many, if not most people, it would invoke uh, associations with committed a crime or committed a sin and makes us think about something morally reprehensible or illegal. You see, suicide aligns with mental illness and in order to break the stigmas around mental illness, we have to challenge our words. So Dan Redenberg says it's best that you don't say commit a heart attack, right? When we're talking about physical illness. So instead you would say died from a heart attack. So saying something like died by suicide works in the same vein. And like, as always, I'll be sure to uh, link this HuffPost article in the show notes. The Center for Suicide Prevention also bears a point that I wanted to bring up. So that's the terminology such as successful suicide, failed suicide, and completed suicide. Other suggestions for these terms may include non-fatal suicide attempt or just simply a suicide attempt. And I know it's really hard to try to fix our language or comprehend why terminology is constantly fluctuating and changing and what's right to say and what's wrong to say. But honestly, it's always going to be hard to navigate and keep track of these things. But it's important to remember here that we have to put in the effort and we have to show up. And we have to take the time to educate ourselves on matters like this, as well as many others. So what are some of the signs? Uh, The tricky thing here is that suicide can correlate with mental, emotional, and physical signs, but that does not always mean that there is a causal relationship. So what I mean here is we can't assume that someone who is suffering from depression or has a hard home life or partakes partakes in self-injury are contemplating the act of suicide. Similar to other forms of mental illness, we need to be aware but not jump to assumptions. We have to be observant but not be offensive or try to overgeneralize people's situations. 
So jumping back to that CAMH article, here are the risk factors, not signs, risk factors that are associated with suicide. Uh, these are things that might happen in one's life or situations that someone might experience that could increase the chances of suicidal thoughts, contemplation, planning, or attempts. So having a serious mental health illness or an addiction problem, uh, suffering from a major loss, whether that be a death of a loved one or a job loss, a history of su suicide in the family, um, a previous suicide attempt, a serious physical illness, uh, impulsive personality, lack of support from family or friends, um, and the accessibility to weapons, medications, or other lethal means. The World Health Organization also highlights another point that I wanted to bring up, and that is suicide rates are also very high amongst vulnerable groups who experience discrimination, such as refugees and migrants, indigenous peoples, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, uh, intersex persons, and prisoners. So in other words, you need to keep showing up for those who are oppressed. I know I said that this portion revolves around the signs of suicide, but what I wanted to point out here is the difference between risk factors and the signs themselves. And here you're probably listening to this thinking to yourself, well, Maria, honestly, like the risk factors that you just listed off, I thought these were signs of someone who might be suicidal. Now, as always, I'm not here to overgeneralize anyone's conditions, situations, or stories. However, here are what the actual signs of suicide might look like. So someone having conversations surrounding how they have no solutions to their problems or no hope for them or their situation. Discussions around death or wanting to die. Uh, social withdrawal in order to avoid others being made aware of their plans. Planning in general. Are they selling their things? Did they quit their job? Are they considering writing a will? Giving away personal items? Saying their quote unquote goodbyes? Um, as well as investments in items or tools that may aid in a suicide attempt. I think we can see how the risks and the signs are a little different. Uh, don't get me wrong, risks are a contributing factor, but like I said, we can't necessarily make assumptions as soon as we notice someone is depressed or, experience, or experiencing hardship in some way. So I also want to talk about some of the stigmas and myths surrounding suicide. So I've pulled from a couple different resources and have looked at the uh, myth as well as the fact that they've provided. So we're just going to get into these. So myth. Talking about suicide will lead to and encourage suicide. Fact. There's a widespread stigma associated with suicide and as a result, many people are afraid to speak about it. Talking about suicide not only reduces the stigma, but also allows individuals to seek help, rethink their, their uh, opinions, and share their story with others. We need to talk more about suicide. Myth. Someone who has their act together isn't at risk of suicide. On the outside, someone can appear to have it all. A great job, a healthy family, an active social life, and a beautiful home. We look at the outside veneer and say, they're doing great, life is wonderful, how could they even contemplate suicide? But you really don't know what's going on inside of someone. Uh, while 
deaths such as Robin Williams, uh, Chester Bennington, Anthony Bourdain, and Kate Spade are high-profile examples of prominent people dying by suicide, uh, seemingly happy people, and, you know, basically had their own life that, from the outside to a lot of us, looked like it was just fine. The takeaway, when you see someone exhibiting warning signs for suicide, please do not brush it off. Reach out to them instead. So the next myth is, if a person is serious about attempting suicide, then there's nothing you can do about it. The actual fact here is often feeling actively suicidal is temporary, even if someone has been feeling low, anxious, or struggling to cope with a long period of time. Uh, This is why getting the right kind of support at the right time is so important. The next one, is it even okay to ask someone if they are having suicidal thoughts? And actually, yes, it is okay. Talking about suicide does not cause suicide to occur. In fact, it can be a good way to help prevent suicide. Asking someone, are you thinking of suicide directly, will give the person the opportunity to have permission to talk about suicide. With this last point, I think it's important to bring in how to ask someone if they're contemplating a suicide attempt. As always, we want to approach the situation and conversations with love and respect. That means we aren't saying something like, you're not thinking about doing something stupid, right? And at the same time, when we are making these inquiries, we don't want to completely avoid the question either. That means asking something like, so are you going to be okay? Isn't enough either. We want to explain what we have seen, the signs that we have noticed. What behaviors are you picking up on that have led you to consider asking someone if they are contemplating an attempt? It's not your job or in your professional background to convince the individual otherwise. Don't say things like, it's wrong, it's selfish, it's cowardly, etc. Rather, explain to them that you care about them and that you have concern for their safety. This one is really important because you're not the professional that they need to be seeking help from, okay? You don't know things like cognitive behavioral therapy or, you know, how to actually change the mindset or how to actually help someone who might be contemplating a suicide attempt. Your job as a friend or family member or coworker or what have you is strictly to find out if you need to put them in contact with those resources and to try to love and support them in the best way that you can. As hard as it is, you have to outright ask the question, are you considering suicide? No one said that this was going to be easy and that question will never, ever be easy to ask. And finally, you listen. Like I said before, this is going to open up the conversation and show that you are someone who's willing to welcome that individual's heart, heartache and hurt into your space and show that you're willing to help them through that heartache and through that hurt. After you've listened, then you have to get them in touch with the individuals and organizations in the area that you are in who are qualified to actually help them.
Before we wrap up today's episode, I wanted to include a testimonial of an individual who has made a suicide attempt, has recovered, and is now living their life to the fullest. Uh, I found this testimonial on the internet uh, because I didn't want to try to reach out to individuals uh, who may not be comfortable or do not want or wish to share their stories, which is completely, totally fine. Just out of respect for everyone, I figured I'd find something that was completely anonymous. So this statement says, I want to be the one to tell you that you can rebuild. You can start from rock bottom and work your way back up. You can erase years of self-inflicted trauma and you can get tactful and start truly living your life. Just step by step, go slow and be patient. Give yourself time. Give yourself the space you need. I never went back to school because the new person I rebuilt myself to be didn't want to go back to school. I wanted to become an entrepreneur, and so I did. It wasn't easy, but the main thing was gaining enough control over my emotions and managing my stress. Self-care helped me do this. You can grieve. You can scream about how nothing in life is going right. But at the end of the day, you need to be your best friend. Be kind to yourself and lift yourself up. But it all starts with taking that first baby step. Today, I have learned that I am still an unstoppable force. And the thing I learned from being able to rebuild myself from a place where it seemed like nothing could ever be reclaimed, I did it anyways. And that proves that I am even more so than before an unstoppable force. Nothing will ever stop me. And I hope you view yourself in the same light. As I said, I know this week was a heavy episode, but despite this, I hope it makes the conversation about suicide more approachable and helps you potentially help someone else. Although I hope it doesn't come to the point where you have to ask someone that hard question. Remember this, my little sweet potato, no matter where you are, who you are, you're loved and supported by some entity in this world. With that, I will talk to you next week, my little sweet potatoes. Thank you so much for listening. All right, my little sweet potatoes, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Be sure to leave a rating and review on whatever platform you are listening on. I encourage you to share the podcast and keep in touch. Follow the Sweet Potato Podcast or me on Instagram at MariaAnnaCo and feel free to give feedback, a suggestion, or request a topic. Until next time.